Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Pals with Bill Wadman. Today, we have a real treat. My neighbor and friend Noah Prince is here. He's uh, a, a in the TV and movie industry. He is a, a gaffer and has worked as a best boy and an electrician. Basically, he's a he's a lighting guy for movies. Really interesting stuff coming up. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know. So you uh, grew up in yeah. where in New York? No, in Cambridge. In Cambridge, Mass, yeah. Massachusetts. Yeah. Okay, where in Cambridge, Massachusetts? I forget about this. Uh, north Cambridge. Yeah. Like north of Harvard Square. Yeah. North well, we called it North Cambridge. I actually don't know if it's north of Harvard Square. And but, how, how long did you live there? Um I lived there until I was eighteen or yeah, seventeen or eighteen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well it's about seventeen. Thank God. Now, did you go mm-hmm. down into the areas and, you know, did you go see the cars and like all this kind of stuff? Like all the yeah. bands that were yeah, big in was, the 80s? Yeah, there was, no, I didn't see the cars. I remember um, I saw, you know, it's funny because there wasn't, yes, okay. As a teenager, there was a couple of places we snuck into. And sure. one of the places was really easy. It was called The Channel. Because okay. you would go in while they're doing a sound check and you'd go into the bathroom and then you could remove the acoustic tiles and hide up there. What, really? Yeah. <laughs> and then once the show started, you have to wait a while and you can't all come out at once, but you have to sort of exit, you know. Yeah. And um, and then that was one way of sneaking in. Obviously, the best way of sneaking into any bar when you're a teenager was if you knew someone who was at the sure. door, obviously. And but when it comes to the concerts, I saw. I just remember, I went to a lot of big, well, not big concerts. They were at a place called the Orpheum that has eighteen hundred sure. seats, yeah. and <clears throat> I think in uh, in nineteen eighty or nineteen seventy nine, I think me and my <clears throat> me and my buddy Matt, we saw uh, Devo. And we got fourth row tickets. Wow. Which was really, really cool. Devo in their prime. Yeah. And we also saw the police. Sure. And um, that was when, that was on the album when Roxanne came out. Sure. That was, I have no idea what year that was. But that's, it might have been 78, 79. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. So both of these things were, seven. you know, in the late 70s when, when, you know, when we were, on a roll, you know, we're yeah. on our way. And um, Were you listening to music back then? Were you a big music yeah. version? Listening to BCN or whatever rec- Not radio so station much, was? Yeah, BCN. You know what's cool about Boston at that time? And uh, I think actually the entire country at that time, because one of my cousins was a DJ at his college station. That was up in Maine. And uh, is that... One hour, it was one show, and then the next hour was another show, and the hour after that was a whole different, you know, changed thing. up every hour. Yeah. yeah, so there was an interesting, and I, I think that was an interesting part of um, America was college radio, but also there were other 
And the Major DJs got break. to actually program back then. Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. And then there was there were also semi uh like independent radio stations that people just owned. Sure. And they uh you know, but it was pretty cool because they could curate a a uh a playlist, which is what we have now. So it's not a playlist, but they could curate a radio show. Yeah. Yeah. Curate. That's the second time I've used that <laughs> today. Yeah. So that's that was great. And so the music we listened to was everything. I didn't, you know, we listened to the Sugar Hill Gang, but we also listened to the Bee Gees and we listened to Van Halen. Sure. And... Ozzy Osbourne, I mean, or Judas. It's a pretty no, eclectic it? group, yeah. No, but it was it was also because I lived in an area where there was different people. Yeah. So, you know, North Cambridge had five housing projects. You're going to run into a lot of different people. Sure. And I don't know. There's, you know, music wasn't, I never even thought about it being one genre until it was, I was older. Yeah. And so when you were a kid up in Cambridge, mm -hmm. North Cambridge, uh, what did you think, what did you want to do with your life? Did you know? Um, oh, as I got to be a teenager, I wanted to be a clothing designer. Clothing designer? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Cambridge is kind of a place where they tell you, you know, it's like, you know, they, uh, they, they definitely encourage anything artistic, I'm sure. sure. And also... Uh, they try to be the, uh, sort of the, uh, open arms, um, as opposed to Boston, sure. which is sort of definitely, uh, you know, yeah. closed arms. Right across the river. Yeah. It's, uh, oh yeah, right across the river. But so there was this hypothetical idea that you could do anything. Sure. And, yeah. So I wanted to be a clothing designer and, uh, and that was pretty cool while I was there. And then it changed when I uh, came to New York. You know, I came to New York. I was, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to be a clothing designer. Sure. Because I could make clothes. Yeah. Yeah. And men's or women's? Both? Men's. Okay. And I had this idea of making men's clothes for women because a lot of women would talk to me about my clothes. And I yeah. said, oh, I'll make them. Sure. And so I thought, oh, that's, that's going to work. But the... Uh, when I was, or it was even before I moved here, uh, I was around somewhere around 1984, um, I realized there was a handful of, you know, I'll just say, it, uh, it was just that the clothing industry was not a place where a straight man could go yeah. and be hired. Um, a, you know, a woman would sooner be hired. And they, from what I heard, they just work her to death and that kind of thing. Yeah. But it was really, it was, at the time, it was just a, a it was a, a, you know, an industry that was sort of run by men. Yeah. And, you know, that was, that's a hardship. And nobody in Cambridge ever prepared you. Sure. For that concept that maybe, you know, maybe you don't fit. Maybe you're not the right guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, just uh, so that that was a huge blow um, to the ego immediately. And I, as such a young person, too, I you know it was just bang. Okay, 
Yeah, you're 18 years old, started. and they're just like, well, yeah, the door that you thought was going to be open yeah. maybe isn't open. No, not even slightly. And it was, uh, you know, so that that was um, that was the first feeling of panic, sure. I think, when a kid goes through. And, you know, they start thinking, oh, I've got to figure something else out. Sure. And, um, but I, you know, I didn't really know that up until I actually landed um, maybe three years later. And that's when I realized that even in, uh, even in the garment district, which is basically where I lived, I live on 40th street and eighth. So I was pounding the pavement, looking for work. And you're living outside of Port Authority. Uh, yeah. Across the street. <laughs> wow. That yeah. must, in, Port Authority in the 1980s. That must have been a quite a scene. It was great. Yeah, it was. Uh, and had I not been 18 and really stupid, I would never have lived lived there. And yeah, I just but it was actually really nice, and I was right above the subway too, so I could get anywhere instantly. Yeah, but it was near the garment district, and I still thought, you know, there's got to be someone here who do designs. it on my own. Yeah, yeah or I'll, I'll get a job somewhere, and then the only jobs you could really get. Uh, in the garment district was, you know, loading trucks and, sure. you know, uh, with, uh, I don't know, furs, whatever. <laughs> I don't know what it was. But I mean, it was did they expect like, people to have educations mm -hmm. back then in fashion or is it just sort no, of? No, I don't think they expected people to have educations anywhere. Young up and comers, just like you could walk in the door yeah. and just say, I want to be a blank. No. And that's. No, I don't think so. I think yeah. that it would be good if you were somewhere else. I don't know where that other place is. Maybe FIT, probably. Sure. You know, Certainly and, now they'd expect you to sort of uh, have been doing yeah. that. I, I don't know what they Have your own YouTube channel for the last 15 years. Yeah. Well, it's kind of weird. Or have a t-shirt company yeah. and then suddenly you really are in fashion. Yeah. But now it's different because people don't have to actually know who you are as a designer. I think that um, especially with, you know, you can just pay influencers. To, sure, sure, sure. To uh, wear things. I think it's a it's a better market now for people who want to do anything. And I try to tell that to a lot of young people that the, the opportunity is better. So, uh, yeah. All right. So, so you came in, you want to do fashion, fashion wasn't working out. So no. what'd you do? Uh, I was, um, I had a lot of friends in, uh, Cambridge who worked at a place called film arts. Okay. And, uh, film arts was, uh, you know, they would rent uh, equipment to um, commercials. So it was a rental house, yeah. Yeah. And then um, before I even moved, I knew that Film Arts got their cameras from New York. So I knew that there was warehouses, you know, where sure. there was work. So I already knew in general, I, I had a backup plan. And somewhere... Before I actually moved here, you know, I I knew people who were working in commercials, and and I knew that there was something in New York for rental, and I knew that this was a place you could get a job, and I knew that um, that there was going to be a lot of possibilities for other jobs, 
And I tried doing restaurant work when I was up in Boston, and I was really bad at it. But if you're just not good at, at, you know, making cappuccinos or or (laughs) delivering anything to a table, then it's really bad. (laughs) But that's kind of what was going on with me. And so the good thing is I knew that in New York, it might take me a little while to get involved with the fashion thing. But I knew that there was other work, that there was manual labor I could do. So I was really, really happy about that. And when I moved, uh, you know, fashion really was not working for me. And then the other warehouses in my neighborhood in Hell's Kitchen <clears throat> were uh, film labs and uh, then rental houses. Yeah. And then I ended up getting a job. You know, I was going into every rental house I could and and a lot of the film labs. And I went into a place that was um, that rented a lot of the Aeroflex cameras. And so uh, I got a job there. It was sure. called Camera Service Center. Anyhow, but that's I had the late shift and that was great. So this is you were teching stuff. You were no, at the front desk, bringing taking stuff no, in and no, out. No, it, we would get orders and we would load trucks with all the equipment, pack them and load them. Yeah, yeah, and um, and it was like uh, it was a, it was a really good place. Uh, now at the time, I mean nowadays, mm-hmm. every I have a 4K Blackmagic camera in my closet, right? Sure, but yeah. back then. Yeah, people renting an RFlex sixteen or a thirty five. Yeah. like these yeah. were making commercials, making movies, both. Oh, both. Yeah. Who else was renting these things? Oh God, that was it. Was making um, corporate were stuff make- using film. What corporate work using film? Like no, no, they were using uh, Ikigamis, and there was a place, a, a play, some of the guys I knew who worked at that place, and that looked like the future. Yeah. The Ikigami camera. I don't know if they make cameras anymore. So, um, but they were the most durable uh, three-quarter inch camera okay. made. Yeah. Uh, or And I think it was something like that. But there wasn't, you know, corporate things used that. And, and the uh, the film was all commercials. And because um, the movie industry was uh, not big in New York in the 80s, no, no, kind of actually, back. yeah, it did come back, but the in um, over there it was just commercials at Camera Service Center, sure. It was another place called General Camera, which only did movies, and uh, and they, you know, there was but there were so many places too, there were so many. Rental houses. The West Side was filled with rental houses, uh, rental houses, um, Westies, and uh, Teamsters. <laughs> yeah. So, and a lot of the union halls were there too. So that's it. Uh, that's kind of how I ended up joining the union, Local Fifty Two. By by, you ended up working on a job inside Um, the production no i just met a lot of people who were in 52 at the time and um 52 is the union the union local number and they're part of the iatsi um unions it seemed like the right way to go and it ended up happening perfectly that way so Mm. it's so interesting because kids nowadays Mm -hmm. kids (laughs) well 
you know, you're you're in your fifties. Uh, I'm in yeah. my late forties. Everyone feels like a kid to me already. So, um, mm-hmm. but are expected to come in 18 years old. Oh, I know I want to make this. I want to make my feature film and I want, I've written this and I've already made yeah. six shorts and whatever. <clears throat> and nowadays you, you, here you are, you're like, well, I came to New York. Fashion thing wasn't working out. I went and worked at a rental house. Yeah. I joined the union. Yeah. Uh, you, and you, now you I worked on movies. Just, fell into each thing. You didn't have a master plan to no, know where you were going to no. be at 40 or 50 years old. No, God, no. Um, no. And, and that's, part of new york actually and i i kind of blame my generation i think we put way too much pressure on these kids and now i'm using the term but i really mean it you know that they have to have their act together yeah and they do have to have their act together in the sense that they have to realize that they're accountable for their lives and that their lives affect other people that's where they have to have their act together, but they also have to have the humbleness. And I am guessing our, my generation, our generation, whatever, whoever has somehow just decimated that humbleness. And a lot of people that come into the film industry now, the younger people, for a while, just like you said, they they feel that they had to be 18 and know everything. Yeah. And when they graduated film school and came, started working with us, then they also felt they had to know everything. But there's just so much to know and you can't learn. There's so much you can't learn in a in a textbook. And so I started referring to these people as Bill Withers. Because okay. when you try and teach them something, the answer was always, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. That's actually know, kind of funny. Yeah. So <laughs> Bill Withers, you know, he's got that song. I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. And so I was making that joke and I was thinking, well, that joke's going to go across the country. I hoped, but it didn't. I like but, that joke. Yeah. But I know, and I know that in, um, I almost stopped myself from saying that. <laughs> and I said that one time, and then this one kid second-guessed me. He, not second-guessed me, but he spat right back at me. He goes, you said you know. You're Bill Withers. You're you're like Bill Withers. And I said, first of all, I do know. Second of all, I made that joke. And third of all, of course I know. I've been in the union for 27 <laughs> years. For, for 27 is, years. Yeah. And I, if I'm not mistaken, you're 25. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, but it's, it's nice like, to be the one who knows. But in yeah. some ways, your industry, yeah. the film and, and commercials and all this TV industry, uh-huh. is one of the few places where you can come in kind of where it's almost apprenticed in, in a way. Like in the yeah. sense that somebody comes yeah. in, they don't know a lot. They start out at the bottom. Right, right. They learn, they go up the ranks, yeah. theoretically, mm-hmm. where it is sort of on-the-job training Oh, totally. In a way that yeah. is very rare, I think, in a lot of other fields now. I agree. And I feel that. Plus, it's very physical. It's completely physical. And you're out in the rain and you're yeah. really cold <laughs> and your feet never feel warm. And it can be. No matter what boots and socks and whatever no, you're wearing. No, you happens. know, it, it just doesn't do it. And, <laughs> and you know, when you're outside. You're not selling time, this industry well right no, now. No, no. And then when it's summertime. And it's 98 degrees yeah. and you're working 
on a tarmac at yeah. the airport. And because it's an airport, you can't really go in anywhere that's air conditioned. Yeah. It's it's a significantly brutal industry. And yes, everyone will talk about it. Even the actors will talk about it because they'll be out for, uh, you know, they'll be outside for an hour at a time Yeah, when they're not in an air conditioned or heated environment or, you know, five hours at a time. And yeah, it's, it's brutal even on them. Uh, I know that sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but they, you know, they're, they're the ones in wearing the outfits but their characters are supposed to look like uh august when we're actually shooting in december right so yeah there's work you know we did have a movie like that it was it was amazing yeah now can i ask you some questions distinction between an electrician a best boy a gaffer yeah like how how does all this work Uh, the elect okay start with the gaffer Uh, let's start with a gaffer. Gaffer is is, is working with a uh, with a director of photography. Okay. Um, in creating a um, you know a vision which they've both discussed. The, the gaffer and the key grip are working together, and and there's the key grip just does different things in America, and their paramount you know. Um, position in regards safety and um and then carving the light and making it shaping it and making it actually making it beautiful whereas the gaffer is positioning the light justifying the light yeah and and uh feels like there's a lot of overlap like there's there's nothing but over it's so collaborative yeah there Mm -hmm. are cinematographers who say who are technically knowledgeable about lighting we'll say the gaffer listen yeah I want uh-huh. four or five Ks out these windows and I want this and I want that. Like, this is yeah. what I'm thinking might work. Do you agree? Yeah. yeah. And then there's others who are just like, I just want a lot of light coming through the window. Make that yeah. happen. A lot, a lot of them. Yeah. Nowadays, yeah, you can have both. Even even back in the day, they had both. Yeah. And the gaffer is also working with the uh, producer and the unit production manager to try and keep things at a normal budget. Sure. And norm, even if you have a group truck and all these lights big. and all the rest mm, of it, you no, still got to yeah. set them up and you got to tear them down and all the rest of it. So it's well, like there's the, that. The less you can use, yeah. the better. And also, you know, you go to these locations or different sets require a whole nother budget, sure. obviously. And so, you know, that's the gaffer's position is really caught between a lot of uh, compromises there. The gaffers have to define budgets. Yes. within their, They can go look at some place and say, look, we're shooting this townhouse. I'm going to need X, Y, and Z, and that's going to cost us $15,000 in rentals or whatever right. to make this well, happen. Well, you know, you definitely know what you can't do it for. You know, you know if there's a, for instance, a television show and the television show has an established look. Yeah. If you go on a location, sometimes you're scouting and, you know, one time, you know, a script comes out and it says, um, it says uh, woods, nighttime. You know, that right there, you know, it could be $65,000 yeah. just to get that shot. We want and that's blimps. Only, we need this. We yeah. need to like, yeah. And that's only for the lights. You yeah. know what I mean? You need forget to about light the logistics. nighttime in yeah. the woods, but have it look like it's not lit. Right. And yeah. forget about the logistics. That, that's like, um, you know, I mean, 
the logistics are already just getting the trucks there and <laughs> setting it up the day before or the week before sometimes. You know, so that's when you know what the look of the show might be and or the movie, and then you kind of know a certain price. Um, you know, if it is 65000 it's easy to say, oh, this is 90000 a night, yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. you know it could be. You yeah. just know it. It could be. Uh, and, But that's what's in the script, you know. And, and then sometimes the producer will say, well, we don't have $100,000 for lights, so let's figure yeah. out a way to shoot this cheaper. Well, uh, you hope the producer does that at the point when they're writing a script, you yeah. know, when all those drafts start coming through. An experienced producer will say, if it's at night, it's happening inside a living room. Or if it's at night, it's happening, you know, um, by a doorway. And yeah. we're not seeing the world. Uh, you know? yeah. But if it's in the woods at night, then a producer is not going to like the way that looks on a script. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately, if it's part of the story, it's part of the story. And it trickles down. Everyone has to know. Uh, it's so what is what it's going to be, and then and then the best boy has to manage everything there. So the best boy, the gaffer knows what is going to be needed and how we're going to do it. Gaffer also knows, you know, the strategy. We usually start wide and then get smaller and yeah. smaller. And I, actually, it's I haven't seen that recently, but that used to be the old technique. Yeah, because. Shoot the overall and then yeah, go in for coverage. Exactly, too. because you can sort of get rid of a lot of things. Oh, because um, oh yeah, because once you go yeah. tighter, you guys can start breaking down lights exactly. between shots. Yeah, yeah, we can wrap it up while the actors are. I don't Not know fun. what they're doing, and then you know we're moving in, and um, you know you can wrap a lot of the equipment if you have the staff to do it. And sure. then, but that's also like that's what a best boy would do is when <clears throat> knowing that. You'd go from having uh, this wide shot and then the best boys just managing how this is going to work. <clears throat> After they're done with the wide shot and they're going in, uh, the best boy knows that there's equipment that can be maybe head wrapped because yeah. we don't trust them anymore. They used yeah. to be able to say the assistant director, used to, the first assistant director used to be saying, we're not looking that way. Yeah, you know, you can strike those yeah, lights for whatever. Exactly. We're done. Yeah, and um, and the but the first ads are a little different now. Uh, you know, now you say, "Are you looking that way yeah. ever again? Are we? What are we doing?" Because, and it, you would also say, "So this scene is finished, right?" And yeah. they would say, they used to be able to say yes, and now they're saying, uh, "We're not sure." And then yeah. you just don't know what they're talking about. Is that now. an experience, or is that? Mm, I don't know. They want all the flexibility. I think they want all the flexibility. I don't, I'm not sure. It's just, I think it's just a trend. Are there a lot yeah. of people who, I mean, there, you hear these stories of, oh, they were shooting, I don't know, the terminal, the Tom Hanks movie, Spielberg yeah. movie. It's like, we, we built this terminal and we lit it such that we could just shoot anywhere without bringing in much practical other lighting. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we're sure. going to light the set such that it's <clears> not, <throat> we're not lighting particular shots. We're just lighting the space and people are just moving the camera around yeah. and shooting like it is. Does that seem like it's more common? Is that becoming more common over time or is that? No, we've, we've done that before. I mean, that's 
It seems yes, like an interesting challenge because you want to yeah. make it look good it's, everywhere, but it, you can't yeah. make it look good everywhere. It's kind of have to mm-hmm. lowest common denominator in some ways. Yeah, there are some. Well, yeah, for example, if it's a TV show and you have a police station, yeah. it's usually lit the same way. Yeah. And then other police TV, you know, TV shows with police stations are always going to be lit the same way. But there's a couple of cameramen who uh, like, you know, David Walken or Andre Bakoviak, they had sort of, um, they had it. So you could actually, you generally just move the key light a little yep. closer and, or you could move that key light anywhere in the room and it wasn't a big key light. Uh, I remember like Barkoviak used to use just a, uh, a, a, like a, what's called a, you know, a super soft light. Yeah. Sometimes they're 2K, sometimes they're 8K, but that's all it was. And yeah, but a 2 or 8K, even, re- yeah. even through a big scrim or whatever it is, or a big box, like that's, yeah, still, that's still, still a lot of light. Right. In today's world, that's a lot of light. to what was on the, I'm talking ratios then. So, you know, they, they used a certain amount of fill, which is, Sure. sometimes a, a lot of fill and uh but you know when there's that much fill your key light the ratio is just maybe one stop more sure. and for the lighting that they were doing that was often working yeah and then you would have the set just lit by itself uh david Joachim was kind of amazing because he would uh he would light <laughs> well, there's a handful of reasons why, but he would light the set pretty much once. And then um, even for a close-up, the only thing you'd really do is have like a, you'd further diffuse it or you would um, diminish light on one side. And that was pretty much it. And so he's an English guy. I mean, he... I don't know. You know, everyone's got their own style. So, you know, I don't know. That, you know, I'm just saying that's that, those were older guys from a different time. And um, I mean, especially Walken. But uh, then Barkoviak became a producer and all that. You know, but the, they were from another time and they were still using that fully mobile type sure. of application. And, you know, I th- uh, you know that now it's definitely common because it's easier it's easier to get the same ratios with less light i'll say so that is okay so yeah cameras are getting that much more sensitive yeah. you don't need the light that you used to need no. your friend whose interview i listened to the other day on the deacons podcast oh yeah jim yeah I mean, he was talking about his father working on things in the 40s where they had, you know, yeah, 43 10K right. lights lighting a set yeah. or some ridiculous oh, thing. And you're like, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah. Because yeah. they're shooting at ISO 25 or whatever it is. They're shooting at like no light mm-hmm. at all. Or I mean, no sensitivity at all. The film right. so you need so right. much light. Nowadays, base ISO on these cameras is 800 or whatever it yeah. is. Oh, that's for Stuff you couldn't yeah. even imagine mm-hmm. in film 20, no. 30 years ago. No, no one would use that. Unless fast. it was war footage. Right. Yeah, that they pushed it. Uh but no. it's interesting to Yeah, the that- planets were pretty funny because they also, you know, they apparently the stories were that they'd one up each other all the time. Like, you know, uh, Jim would, would basically visit his dad on Thanksgiving and say, Dad, you know what we did today? Or, you know, we did last month, we bounced yeah. light. And he said, What you do is you point the light at a card and yeah. then the soft, you know, yeah. comes back. And then, uh, you know, Homer apparently would say, 
Yeah, I, I know. We tried it in uh, 32. We didn't yeah. like it. <laughs> so, so all nothing's these things new. have nothing's new, <clears throat> but it's just what the technology will accept. You know, that's true. Um, it's and, interesting, though, to me that all of the yeah. things that I mean, of course, yeah, we have smaller lights, we have less lights, we have LEDs, we have all these things now that mm -hmm. we can like just a little bit of light or mm -hmm. these like lighter, like lighter, as I say, weight, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. things, like yeah. all this kind of stuff. We can tune colors, we can do whatever. Sure. But all of the passive light stuff. The flags and the scrims and the whatever and the gels, mm -hmm. all of that's been the same for 50 years, 100 years. We still use oh, yeah, C yeah. stands from 100 years ago, you know? Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. just crazy how much of that stuff hasn't changed at all. No, because that's physical. And that's that, that actually says it all because lighting isn't actually about the light, it's about sources. And also the way we light cinematically is, is always about sources. And you can definitely pick up the most beautiful things if you're doing a documentary yeah. and you're thinking, God, this looks beautiful. This is perfect. Let's just shoot in here. And, and it happens to have enough light for you. Yeah. And even going back to some of the guys who were doing it and the women who were doing it in 16 millimeter. Um, but will that light uh, be there in a half an hour? No. Well, they knew I mean, that's it, the they knew it wouldn't. Right? Yeah. They knew it wouldn't. And they knew that they were on, God's time. We have, yeah, we have 10, we have 10, 15 mm -hmm. minutes to get this shot before that sunlight exactly. goes yeah. out that window. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's always something admirable, but it's funny when you see those people who can then, they're jumping in to the world where they actually have toys. Yeah. And, and then that's where they also rely on the experience of the gaffers and the key grips. Sure. And also, honestly, uh, you know, the best boy position, I don't think is, uh, is revered as much as it should be because the best boys for both of those departments, they have to organize, manage it. And they often, I mean, they have to, you know, a best boys position is to get it done. Yeah. And when I say it, I'm talking about everything. Yeah. And that is really important. And if you're not good at doing everything, you know, um, that's fine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, you know, but it, it's really bad if you're, if you're good at something and you're not just putting the effort into it, uh, that's really bad, but that's your job is to do everything. And it's, it's not appreciated enough. Definitely not. Which um, is interesting. Cause it's a little bit like a waiter position where it's interesting because <laughs> yes, your, it is. Your job is to <clears throat> deliver. Without and question, never and forget, yeah. No, and no one's supposed yeah. to notice that you were there uh, in uh, some ways, right? Like, oh, this oh, just no. happened, this, no, this got done. Yeah, some best boys lately, I would say, over the past uh 10 years, easily, they are more on set and they'll be another lamp operator, yeah, an electrician, yeah. Um, you know, and that's you know, and they'll help out. I, I don't know, I'm just guessing, more like a skipper, I don't know, something that's how, uh, how often, you know, um. Are you further down the chain? Like, let's say you're working as a best boy, right? And, and yeah. you're taking direction from the gaffer and the cinematographer. And and from production. <laughs> and so. production. Mm -hmm. Where and, there's... And, and logistics. You're taking... You're working with um, just getting the goods from, you know, yeah, from the, A to B. Yeah, the truck here that we need. Yeah, there's yeah. a truck. You need trucks. You need wheels. You need everything. And, Yeah. That's but how, how often are decisions made where that are above your pay grade in, in a sense where it's like, well, this is my decision to make. Mm -hmm. 
and yet the 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 you know mm -hmm. uh, they're telling me to light it this way but i know they're going to change their mind later because this is not going to work right right like is there, there yeah. is there a lot of that where it's like i'm going to do what you tell me to do but we're going to end up putting this other light through yeah. this window because it's going to look bad Right. We'll do what you need us to do. And how often do you, you ever know? just like have that light set up so you can just turn it on instead of that, you know, they're going to ask for later. Always. Does that ever happen? Always. You okay. always do it. Lately, uh, past few years, like after COVID, not so much, but before COVID, you still had it available yeah. because you knew that it would be impossible that they'd say, this is a great idea. Or... If they did turn it on and keep it, you find out that everyone knew something you didn't. Yeah. And that's exactly when it all makes more sense. And uh, So communications uh, is, is key. Yeah, we don't have a lot of that. But we do have a lot of experience where we know who to rely on. And I wonder, mm -hmm. if you're working on the same show for a while or something like that, and you know how sure. that show is lit, does yeah. it all become very rote? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Boring. Yeah. So, yeah, I think a lot of people, um, you know, they'll work on, we work on shows now that last 10 months and the burnout is really high. Sure. And there's a lot of boredom. So that's why it's impossible sometimes to listen. You just got to get away from it. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, go do a project. Sometimes you'll be, if you're an electrician, you're like, yeah, let me, I think there's some cable we need to clean. We never clean cable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just anything. It's to a get euphemism away from it. for let's get out of here. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Let's find a project. Let's make ourselves use, useful yeah. somewhere because God, this is not cool. And, and that's, you know, yeah, it's a big part of it. Uh, you know, I mean, it's keeping yourself occupied, keeping yourself busy. And it's you better. Know. And I imagine that time as long as you're not standing around, you'd rather not stand around because time goes faster if you're actually just doing something. God, yeah. Yeah, right. of course. I'm sure there's yeah. probably people who are, quote unquote, lazy, who just want to, but then it, they don't get hired for the next thing. No. Because it's a very no, piecemeal kind it's of It's interesting. Right? In New York, we've had this tax incentive and it created so much work, but it was creating work that was just useless work. And people are seeing the result of it. What's useless work? What does that mean? Meaning you're producing a bad product. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, um, you're not sticking to some of the core, you know, the core purpose of, of what we do. And there's a couple of things we do. Uh, TV, I know radio, when they first started making it commercial and popular, they said radio's purpose was to bring advertisements into the living room. Yeah. And then that continued with TV. Yep. And then, um, well, with a movie, it was the, the purpose was to be able to sell this movie in a theater. Yep. The idea was to make money off of this. And now the idea, because of a lot of these film incentives and because of streaming, they're just, the concept seems to be, let's just make filler in between the good stuff. Let's just make filler. Because we can get the tax incentives to do it. Yeah. So we and, can do it cheap. Yeah. And there was that there was phases of that same sort of thing with B movies and uh with B movies in the forties and fifties and sixties. And then at the same time, the interesting thing is that those B movies are still making money. And some of those B movies are still looked at as sleepers and classics. Like sure. 
you'll ask someone if they've ever heard of that movie, and they'll say yes. And you'll find out that some of the uh, some of the directors that you work with know these movies sure. too, and they're really good movies. They become classics, yeah. yeah. And some of them are actually really good movies too. Um, even like these, you know, black exploitation movies are sure. some like the first Pam. It's not the first one, but Coffee, sure, was actually had a lot to say about america at that time it was really good and and if you look at all the negative things about it yeah okay that's all wrong that's terrible but you know there are positives in it and um well definitely a product of its time right you yeah can't judge things yeah. on today's stuff if it's, mm -hmm. but know. that's a, i like to that's a good b movie that, yeah. that's like an example of a good b movie you know uh DOA, a black and white movie, sure. was a good B movie. Dawn of the Dead, it was a good B movie. You know, all these movies are big. Actually, Sometimes oh, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, um, Jim Planette, he that was one of the first things he gaffed was coffee. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> he he if he finished with his buddy Colin, I think, or Colin started it and he finished it, but they were just they were, I mean, they were both doing each other a favor. Yeah. And I think they they had no idea the movie would be so. Successful. I think it's also a place where people can. I mean, yes, if you don't have a budget, you got to do it cheap. Mm -hmm. But there's also an argument for this is where experimentation within the art form can happen. Oh, and where we don't movie? know Definitely. whether or not it's going to be successful. Yeah. And maybe we don't need to have it be successful. Right. Right. We're trying something new. Mm -hmm. um, right. It's interesting. I'm a member of some. I don't know. Something got fed to me because I use in my work as a photographer, like right. I'm shaping light all the time. Oh yeah. yeah. But my work is all with strobes most of the time. Yeah. Or I'll use ambient and ambient plus strobes where you're using ambient plus what used to be hot lights and now are mostly LEDs and panels mm -hmm. and things. Right. Yeah. But it's like we in the same world in some ways, but also in a different world, just because we're looking at it slightly differently. Right. Yeah. But I somehow ended up in a, facebook thing where it was it showed like behind the scenes shots from movies and then the shot in the movie to mm -hmm. show like the crazy lighting setup yeah and yeah. most of the time they are what in the shot in the movie looks like a very simple natural light on the on the person oh yeah sure yeah uh -huh. and what ends up being in one of the shots was will smith down on a bench in men in black uh, when he's trying to decide whether or not he's going to go join Men in Black, so he's still in like his street clothes. Yeah, he's sitting yeah. on a bench, and they're shooting him from below. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's buildings behind him, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and the shot looks like he's just sitting on a bench. And they oh, back no up way. and they show the actual mm -hmm. behind the scenes, and there's like there's three bounce boards, there yes. are scrims, there are nets, there are whatever. I mean, there's like yeah. 17 things around the guy. Yes, in order was, to make uh, what is ultimately <clears throat> just like him sitting on a bench. Yeah. That was. That was one of the earlier movies I worked on, actually. Do you, do, were you there and, that day? Do you yeah. remember this? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that like, was that actually was a really fun movie to work on. And, and um, well, I, I think that was Don who shot budget, that. Don, Don Peterman. But Don was, what an, he is so talented and he's such an angel. Oh, God. I, Don's probably yeah, gone. Let me see yeah. if I could pull it up because I, yeah, I I think Don's gone actually, but his uh he he was just a really great guy and just more he's sort of more of a cowboy type. Yeah. And um and he 
He was very old school, and that was a lot of fun. I just find uh, those yeah, kinds I of things. On, actually. Oh, here, here mm-hmm. we go. Here's, yeah. here's the shot. I'm going to hand it to you. Mm-hmm. Like, like, look at the amount of stuff going on <laughs> over him just to just to get it to look like him yeah. just sitting there on the thing. Oh yeah. Now, yeah, of course, definitely. part of that is uh-huh. maybe they're shooting for an hour and a half, and the sun, the mo- sun's moving. So we got to shade him from the direct sunlight and we got to bounce up to fill from below. And we, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all these really obvious kind of things, but I just find it fascinating that most people don't even realize that all that stuff is going on. No, no, that's hard to know. And, um, well, if you guys do your job, right, then you should be hard to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I remember this day really well. (laughs) That's really funny. I really do. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, what's really this is a really is that- nice shot. You know, Andy, who's a still photographer, a- Andrew Schwartz, he's a still photographer on all these um, and all, so many jobs. Um, I haven't talked to Andy in a long time. I haven't talked to him in a long time. I I should give him a call. Um, this I is want really, to talk to that guy, too. Yeah, this is really neat. Yeah. I just I find that kind of stuff really fascinating. There's mm-hmm. there's here there's one other that I want to show you in a second, uh, which I don't you didn't work on, but is a similar kind of thing. Which is, um, uh, it's a it's a scene from a Bond movie, and it's what kills me is that it's just him sitting in a car, and look look at the amount of the setup they had to get to get a nice smooth light on him. You know, oh that's that's really nice. But yeah. I mean, it's beautiful the rigging and everything. Mm-hmm. And they have no, to do it in such really a way nice. that's not hurting the car. Um, but well, you know, they... you, you've hurt this car. I mean, this car is actually no. This is not hurt. This is a. This is beautiful. Yeah. No, but you know, the, the shot is nice, and but you look at the amount of stuff just out of the camera's purview. Yep. There's just tons of stuff. There is. I. I, I just find shot. that kind of stuff this is fascinating. Really nice. Yeah. Because people will look at a movie and they'll say, why can't you just make it look like this or something? Some still yeah, shot. And he can't said, be done. Well, I don't yeah. have a team of 60 people and 15 yeah. lights, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that goes into and that goes into experience, too. I mean, sometimes sure. it's about, you know, understanding <laughs> the justification, what's going on, how it's being done. Not, I mean, it's it really is about that. And it's not that hard to make something... It won't look this polished, but it'll look good uh, with less if you understand ratios and justification. You know, it's funny because plus that's in this a graded picture, final shot. I wonder what I was the out of camera say, looked like. Yeah, but also, you know, Craig's Daniel Craig's uh, hair is blonde. I mean, yeah. and the and the car interior is light, but the way that they've Again, it's, it's the ratios. You know that better yeah, than sure. anyone. And and yes, people don't have the money for that, but they do have the money for smaller. It's that comes to experience too. You know, that's really um, nice. I there's like a it. guy I know who's a big lighting guy in stills, and he was telling me that it's interesting. You know, there's like CTO gels. Yeah. But his yeah. big thing, he was just like, oh, this guy, no, he only uses, he uses CTS, straw instead sure. of orange. Yeah. That's Subtle a, difference. That's a preference. Ah, oh, yeah. I, unless you know the gel. Yeah. Then, you know, you can look at it and you just, you know, it's not CTO. But and, subtle difference in the final like, result. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think on the negative, you can 
time it one direction or sure. the other to remove just that. Just a little bit more yellow, yellow or red know, or whatever. You, you can remove or you can tweak it that way. <laughs> I think that that was made for some people who didn't want to do it in the negative. And then that, but sometimes if you don't have any more straw left and you put CTO on it, uh, you would you default to straw. It. If you don't have any more C, um, CTS and you only have CTO yeah, left. But straw is more natural looking to it, the eyes yeah, of people. But if work. it was like full CTS yeah. and you were just like, well, I'm going to have to put full CTO yeah. on this. And you can see it and you're just praying to God that no one else is going to see it. But they can all see it. They know it. You know? <laughs> I know. That is the one. That's one of the, that is one of the gels that everyone hates actually cto cts s why don't they like it well because you don't want to own too much of it there's only so much space on a truck because it doesn't <laughs> get used that often or because it'll get used it'll the 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 director of photography will say oh i'm a cts guy you know or and, you'll and in your head up, you're like oh yeah you're thinking <laughs> god that means that we have to well see cts doesn't work when you're when you need to, like, if I needed to gel that window. All right. So hold if on a I needed to before you say that, that yeah. the, 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 for people who are listening who don't know, we're sitting inside right now. Yeah. There's bright outside windows here. Mm -hmm. You and I can look outside and see the buildings and whatnot. Yeah. But that's three, four stops hotter than it is inside here. Sure. So when you're making a TV show or a movie, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll gel from outside the windows yeah. and With then our... add light inside so that you can... Mm -hmm. equalize the outside to inside so when you're right. shooting you can still see out the window true we can either put the the gel the coloring yeah in into uh in a hard gel where it'll be right against the window or we'll put it on the light that's outside yeah so the light that's outside is balanced for you know outside yeah so that's also the light that's coming in through the house but if you put cts on that you've thrown yellow into yeah the outside world and right. it looks very different. I, it's just that it's a it's a gaffer's nightmare. How often yeah. are there lights outside the windows in TV shows? Almost always. Always. If yeah. you see a if you see a window, there's light coming in through it. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You just don't have. You don't know if you're going to have the, the. Okay, you could. You don't need a light if it's going to be. If you know it's just a, a five minute. Yeah. You know. Pick up like on the, a procedural yeah, show or whatever. Exactly. They kick down the door. They're like, yeah. freeze, motherfucker. And then there's no one in the house. <laughs> yeah, you know? And yeah, then yeah. the other cop comes and up. And if it blows goes, out, it's no big yeah, deal because that's kind of the look. Yeah. Says, Looks like the whole place is empty. Yeah. Oh, let's head back downtown. You know, so that's exactly when, you know, it's a, it's a you know, you call How that How come you're not runner. an actor? That was great. No, because, well, or, or the writer who writes that every yeah, yeah. single yeah. show. <laughs> every single show. Yeah. You know? You know, they'll just they'll walk in. Well, there's no one here, but look, empty FedEx boxes. Yeah. Thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah. Let's head back downtown. <laughs> and then they'll do, you know, so that's about as good as these things get. But that's that's the one and done. That's the, the camera just goes in with them. Yeah. And that shot is all about the supporting actor. But that's the only time you don't use a, a, a light outside. Otherwise, you, you don't know how long you're going to be there. You and it has you to be the same be for the whole shot. Ever. Yeah. yeah. And then as it's maybe it just the color temperature has to be able to be the same. Absolutely. It's all about yeah. control. Yeah. You have absolutely no control yeah. if, um, yeah, it's all about control. Yeah. So how much do you even think about available light? 
Are you overwhelming oh, oh, you it? you always think about it because... But you're generally overwhelming it or trying to control it as much as possible. No, you're working in concert with it. Yeah. You know, because it does everything for you. And I mean, the amount of fill that you get from available light is undeniable. And what you were seeing there, like we had, uh, you know, in that, you know, that you're always diffusing available light and yeah. then you're always cutting it. Yeah. And you do want to start cutting it early because if you start losing it, then you need to remove the cuts and just get everything you can. Sure. So there's a lot of things there. Is there a di what's the difference between like a, like a white scrim, mm -hmm. like a silk and mm -hmm. the, like the, the bobbinet, yeah. Well, the bobbinet just diminishes the light, and the white silk diffuses, diffuses it. Yeah. Okay. And there now we use more um, like sailcloth type of th not sailcloth. Uh, we can use muslins, uh, like a muslin fabric, and we also use uh, different fat like a ripstop nylon type. Sure. Of yeah, things. yeah. And they're, I mean, they're all really great. And they just, those ones diffuse it completely. It just gives you a softer look. Yeah. But you'll never get a soft look if you just have the bobbinet. It's just, yeah, that's just going to cut it down. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, crucial. Now, as you get older, because your job is physical, mm -hmm. does that ever play into it? Like, oh, my knees or my hurt my back or, you know what I mean? Like, I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah. You know, all that, uh -huh. that sort of. It, idea it does but i'm noticing even the young people have the same complaints that i have oh really yeah and what's weird is that they're most of the time sitting down on something and watching looking at their telephones yeah. and you know one thing i do a lot of standing so i am and a lot of guys my age do a lot of standing and we were told when we got in that if you ever sit down that a, you know, if a producer ever sees you sitting down, then the producer knows he doesn't need you. Yeah, and that was just burned into our heads. It's actually not bad advice. No, you got to think about it. I mean, if you owned a restaurant, and if you see one of the restaurants, I mean, so one of the waiters just sitting down yeah. while there's work going on. Sure, you, you probably wouldn't want to keep that person. Yeah, even though you may not know that that person is very valuable when it's crazy busy sure and that's it yeah you know, you know if you're the owner or maybe the they're really really good at their job and they're better faster at it than everybody else and that's why they have a yeah. good time and you don't know but your first thought is i probably don't need that guy you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's funny now when yeah. you retire eventually yeah are you gonna go back to making clothes no well, um i don't know i've thought about Having like a t-shirt company. There you go. Um, or a, you know, some kind of a a work gear company. Uh, you know, that's not hard to do. Are you are you going to make me, you're going to come to me and be like, Bill, you got to buy a t-shirt. Yeah. You got you to support yeah, me. Definitely. <laughs> if I get there. Yeah. yeah. If I get there. You know, and also, actually, I don't know if I'm going to retire. Now we're lighting in Unreal Engine. Yeah. Or in Blender. Oh, sure. <clears throat> and yeah, you've been playing with that stuff. Yeah. And it's, and the lighting is, is, um, it's really important. And you don't, you know, you, you're going to have, 
I just feel that there's still going to be gaffers who will say, oh, Noah, okay, so I just need you to talk to the people who are doing what we call the LED volume sure. and, you know, need you to light it with them. And so because the gaffer can light the real world, I mean, we're just working on a, on a, I think, a undisclosed job. I, not, is that the right term? Sure. Or a job where I've signed a non-disclosure Agreement. You're under NDA. Yeah. You can't tell us anything NDA, about it, except yeah. except that we used the volume, yeah. and we also integrated lighting in the LED wall, yeah, and in concert with our uh, our board, our, uh, con our so console. You're, you're our using chunks of the volume that aren't mm -hmm. in the shot as light. No, oh, no, the, not that. The people, no, that is a thing that people do. Yeah, right? that's old school. Let's that's up, a little weird. Let's light up behind yeah. us a little bit to to fill yeah. what's in the foreground and well, real. Actually, I think the real truth is you'd knock out the wall behind you. And so bring, in, and bring and, in real lights. Yeah, and then bring in the lights that you use. Um, but anyhow, it, yeah, there's different ways to light it. But if you've built a 3D model and um, and it's getting to be nighttime, and lights start going on yeah. or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. I, you know, that's, that's where lighting is. It's 50, 50. It's still going to be, um, it's still going to be both. It's going to sure. be real world lighting as long as we're still using actors. And then, um, and then, and also just like having real world shadows from the set that yeah. we have. And these sets are now getting pretty big. Yeah. with these volumes so you know I, I don't think i'll be retiring i know that that's plus if you like what you yeah. do i've never understood retiring if you can physically do it and you mm -hmm. enjoy doing it mm -hmm. why stop oh true yeah a lot of young kids though are pretty good at the th lighting in 3d yeah maybe you can't do it in reality you know but, what but i know, I know I, a lot about that's it. the key it's like they're they're really the, the kids are really great and what they're doing is they're lighting with um emissives mostly which is kind of interesting. And that's sort of how we light when we have a set yep. that lights itself. Yep. And that's a good example of a set where you can put the camera anywhere yep. and just bring your fill light in or your key light in. Yeah. And just bring your key light to where you want it. And then, you know, that. Because there's practicals and there's fill mm -hmm, and you just mm -hmm, got to bring your key wherever mm -hmm. you want. Yeah. Emissives are fun. Um, to explain what an emissive is, it would be like a. Uh, uh, a, a sign, a bus stop sign, yeah, uh, is is passively giving you light, because not a bus stop sign. That's not true everywhere. But let's <laughs> say a a sign at a takeout Chinese restaurant, yeah, is sometimes it's a it's a glorified color. We love that color in America. It's just that yellow sign color. Yep, and the and the so that in real life is emissive, and yep. if that's the only thing there and if there's no street light right above and you're outside you are also have this yellow. emissive yellow glow and that's part of your maybe memories as a child and um in the city so a lot of these kids use these emissives and i, I love it i think it's a great way of lighting you, for them for yeah. us it's difficult to do yeah because uh, you there's a lot of for us, they're they're not just yeah. simply strips with an emissive material on sure. it. For us, they really are a fluorescent or an LED strip behind 
a piece of plexiglass. Yeah. You know. What about uh, fog? Is, is that a thing you guys have to deal with? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get the right amount and keep it consistent. With a volume wall? Yeah. No, I mean, just even on a regular set. No, no, that's not hard. Um, <clears throat> the What's technique, the trick? the trick to that is old as the hills. <laughs> and See, this is know, what I want from you. I want, yeah. I want the tricks that are old as the hills. Yeah, they are really old. Uh, the These are ancient. You'd have on a stand across the set yeah. from the key light. Maybe it's the backlight that has the fog. Yep. Whichever light. Uh, so you'd put a light meter. You'd put a candela on it, um, like a spectra candela on a stand okay. over there. Or you could put like an old Wesson or you could put an old Seikonic, you know, something sure. with a needle. Yep. Um, and then you're, you just measure the light. The light's yep. already been measured. You're saying, okay, I'm getting a 2.8 to this light. Yep. And with the fog, you're getting less, yep. right? So you just start puffing up the fog more until you get, you know, however much less it was. Yeah. You know, so then you know your atmosphere. And now I think it's pretty easy to do digitally. You can yeah. just look at it and say, oh, no, we need a little more atmosphere. Yeah. It's just interesting in a lot of the shows yeah. nowadays, you watch The Crown or you watch any of the mm-hmm. stuff, Kaminsky does or whatever, it's like, where it's like, a lot of light, say, coming in a window. Yeah. And that's... most of the fill in the room isn't actually fill lights. It's just a lot of fog. So it becomes sort of volu- the light it coming through the window is a lot of volumetric. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that definitely. seems like a common thing where it's like yeah. the shadows are never black. Like everything is light, dark gray. Right. You know what I mean? There's like I, that kind of look. Yeah. That definitely comes straight from, uh, uh, there's so many of them who did it. John <laughs> Alcott. Sure. Was, uh, you know, he did that a lot. Or on Barry Lyndon, he sure. did that. And that was a good example about... Candle lights and yeah. F1.2 yeah. lenses Super and speeds. whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Um, depth of field as shallow as your mm-hmm. eyelashes. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. It's so... It was, it was beautiful. It was yeah. incredible. His photography. Uh, always, actually. He started off as a still photographer. And, um, I can imagine that being he, useful. Yeah. And he, uh, he, um, some of the guys I know who worked with him, who worked, uh, you know, some of the gaffers I knew who worked with him were explaining that he never used, uh, and never used, uh, uh, light meter. He just used a Polaroid. Oh, the, sure. The black and white, you know, it was like 4,000 ASA or something sure. crazy. And then he would just do the math in his head. And, yep. and, uh, oh, he was a big ratio guy sure. <laughs> because he was a photographer right. and he just knew even if, uh, apparently even if he didn't have enough light, he just used the ratios and, and then was comfortable. And just push, push the film later if, if I don't have enough yeah. light. Or pulled it <laughs> yeah. depending on what yeah, time yeah. of day, yeah. if it, if things weren't going to happen quick enough, you know, it was just different notes and. That's another thing that we don't have as much now is the lab. And the lab used to do all the work. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember some of the old guys telling me that. And they were saying uh, that, you know, they would say, oh, well, just, we don't, you know, we'll see what we can do in the lab. Yeah. And that was pretty common, you know, or just like, yeah, oof, 
That's it's, mm, when we got to do something in the lab. When people yeah. shoot film now and they're just like, oh, I just love what I come out with. It just, it all just always works on film. It's like, yeah, that's because you handed it over to experts <laughs> who know what they're doing I know, right? and saved your butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not that, is, also, the film is just so gorgeous now. Sure. It's gorgeous. Sure. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. <laughs> but some of the older stocks, I don't know. It was, it was pretty They hard. had a look, though. Yeah, they do. Yeah. But they had a look in, you know, to, to wrap up. It's sort of like when you first came to New York, mm-hmm. New York looked a certain way yeah. in the 80s that it doesn't look like now because there mm-hmm. are LED light sources and storefronts and all the yeah. rest of it. Like it just looks different as it looked different to Saul Lighter in the 50s or it looked like, you know, sure. to these people. Yeah. Do you still, you think you see New York as it was when you moved here? Or do you see it as it is I, now? I've got it. I'll be totally honest with you. Times Square. <laughs> yeah. In 1985 yeah. and 1980, from, you know, what, basically in 1986, even like the first time I was there in the early 80s, even though the lights weren't half as, they weren't one quarter as bright sure. as they are now. They were, you know, neons and they were bubbles that would, you know, bulbs that would chase on and off and on and off. Sure. And even back then, it seemed as bright as it seems now. So there's something funny about it. It might just be the way Times Square has a ghost. I don't know. I also but, think that yeah. things were warmer back then. Now you go and there's a lot of blue light everywhere, where it's like back then there wasn't as much blue light around. Oh, well, yes and no. I mean, the the in the 80s, they switched to, in the late 70s, Early 80s, I'm sorry. They switched to mercury vapor, which was not blue, but it was just white and green. Which is awful for getting skin colors. I mean, this must be a nightmare scenario for you guys. Oh, well. To swap them out or ignore them or, or, yeah. yeah. We swapped them out with uh, 2K open faces all the time, which are quartz. But then, I mean, that's... That's, That's like Fincher's move in, in the social network in the beginning when, you know, the guys walking yeah. through Harvard Square, they just replaced all the street lamps. Yeah, you have to. You have yeah. uh, 2K open faces. They're very poorly. They they give a circle, a soft circle of light. Yeah. And then on the on the forehead, it's nice and stiff. It's nice and hard. Yeah. You don't really notice them either yeah. in the shot because also we had our – even if it was mercury vapor in the background – you only had to do a certain amount because the there wasn't the film stock was less. <laughs> it was two fifty. Yeah. Once it gets far enough and, away, yeah, yeah we'll see it's a just specular little, highlight yeah, or something, exactly. but that's all you're gonna get. Yeah, it's just a dot. Yeah. 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 So it's it's really And yeah. it's not hitting anybody yeah. in the scene, it doesn't matter. But New York does look different because New York there were places where it was pitch black yeah. and dark. And I remember on the Lower East Side, sometimes like the children would take the street signs and turn them 90 degree angles the opposite way. So you didn't know what street you were on. Oh, really? And sometimes people would unscrew the light post. Uh, there's a on purpose, not a, just messing not with a switch, but there's a fuse. Or they just wanted the darkness because yeah. it was easier to do For what they drugs were doing. Or whatever, yeah. I don't know what they were doing. Whatever they were doing, they just wanted darkness. And I actually, I never liked the Lower East Side, but. <laughs> All my friends loved it because of the nightclubs. Yeah, I've never you know, been but, a big fan. No, but you used to have to. Uh, oh, jeez. So you know, New York had darkness, and when, and it had darkness because there were also there were all those empty lots. You're right. There was 
now that I think about it, is that Times Square was bright as hell. But maybe it's just no. a contrast thing. It is. Then, then there was all these empty lots. And now, now they're changing all the street lights from the sodium vapor to the LEDs. Yeah. I think the LEDs are really ugly. The color they put out. Yeah, I'd they, almost rather you know have the sodium funny? vapor. They, in, in, uh, in, uh, in the eighties, they said we're switching them over to sodium vapor because it reduces crime. The studies have shown it reduces crime. Interesting. And then when they switched them over here, they said, we're switching them over to these LEDs because they're a warmer light. And studies have shown that it reduces crime. So it's always... It's, it's always, always excuse, reducing yeah. crime. Yeah. yeah. Who wouldn't want crime to go down? <laughs> Who wouldn't want that? You know, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. New York was different. Actually, Catherine even said there was a funny, musty, dusty smell to the city. And yes, it was, it, it smelled different. Like it was a city, so it was, uh, it was all these old buildings, all the old dust and all the old empty lots that had just weeds growing on them and dust coming off of them. It sure. really looked like a, it looked dystopian now that sure. I think about it. But then there was also that, so it was a soot, dust smell mixed with bacon Bacon? Yeah, just all the diners. There were so oh, many yeah. diners. There yeah, weren't yeah. all these fancy restaurants. There was a few of them. Like, there was a lot of them, of course, but there was not so many of them. That's why like, diner, diners are awesome. Yeah, well, the diners just had bacon just blowing through that sure. that that sort of the louvers and the fan. So there was that was one of the most memorable smells about New York. But it was just funny because it was mixed with with soot, with diesel exhaust, and with with just that dusty wild west, you know, empty lot smell. God, it was different. <laughs> to the senses. Yeah. And Catherine and I were talking about that. Yeah. This the, and we all have better memories of a New York from thirty years ago. Sure. Every generation has that. Yeah. Yeah. I was Actually. watching um Iron Eagle. Do you remember this movie? Uh, Lou Gossett Jr. Guy's father gets I, shot down. I do remember this. Yeah. Okay. Right. And they go save his father, you know, in some like quasi Libyan yeah. sort of, you know, mm -hmm. quasi Arabic, very offensive, very yeah. jingoistic 80s. Go, well, go. yeah, we we're probably good buddies with Afghanistan and Iraq at the time. And what's funny is that yeah. the there's a scene in there where like the guy's just like, they're not going to do anything, you know, like because the government never does anything to save my dad. And the guy goes, but that's that's like Iran, and the guy goes, "That's when like Mr. Peanut was running the country, but now we got Ronnie Reagan. And he's gonna like all this, <laughs> yeah. like this very right. like you know." Like, 80s. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And what's funny mm -hmm. about it is that the movies, it doesn't. This one doesn't look particularly good. Mm -hmm. But the other day, for whatever reason, I was thinking about <laughs> Teen Wolf. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And they have it's on I don't know Peacock or one of these mm -hmm. things. And they have remastered it. They must have rescanned it because it looks oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, That's incredible. we never saw it, the no. original film. Like they pulled out the negative mm -hmm. and they scanned it and they cleaned it up. Oh, yeah. And Definitely. it looks so good. The lighting is mm -hmm. good. The shots are nice. It's like what you were supposed to see. Yeah, don't forget. And that. it was probably done by real pros who had been around for 30 years. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, yes, 
It, like you look back on the guy's IMDb yeah. and he made movies in the sixties and seventies. He was like this hot shot cinematographer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was, but let's just assume probably, um, probably was probably busy as hell. And exactly. Angeles, Came yeah. and did this movie for two months and then moved yeah. on, you know, but that, you know, shows you the, you know, the, the talent that these people have. Once you see the original negative and you're thinking, okay, this is ASA 250. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is good work. Oh, th- there was also another time when people would share information with right. to you, yeah. you know, with the ideas like, oh, if he's got open ears, I'm going to teach him yeah. something. That was pretty cool. So I learned a lot from a lot of people. And if it could be the executive producer, they they just find sharing anything, um, not pertaining to the job, yeah. but just pertaining to the job globally, yeah. like as a bigger thing. So, uh, but, you know, Willie was saying, yeah, sometimes, you know, we just... Uh, we do this, that, blah, 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 blah. He goes, well, I like this because, and I don't remember what it was, but he said, yeah. I like this because sometimes you do have to think about, like, the final prints when it makes it to God knows where, and it's the ninth generation or tenth generation yeah. print. It's a print of a print of a print of yeah. a print. They've never even, it's never seen the first internegative. Yeah. So, you know, these are things So the contrast builds up. And um, and the blacks uh, compared to the colors and the what you lose the browns all these things so it's just kind of interesting you never thought about that and as you, a young kid you learn it but yeah. and the, I was watching thriller video that, that mm-hmm. you know they did mm-hmm. and uh, John Landis I guess did yeah and there's a yeah. scene in the car there's a scene where the him and the girlfriend are in the car mm-hmm. and they're doing like reverse stuff over shoulders sure and the focus point on Michael's like back focus by like an inch mm-hmm. probably because he was like they set the focus and then he like leaned forward a yeah. little bit during the shot right classic stuff that we've all dealt with a million times mm-hmm. but it was just so interesting i was like oh i never noticed that because i only ever saw it on mm. standard def tv mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. 1986 or five or whatever it was sure. i never yeah. saw the original negative and I'm like wow they shot this probably in 35 looks yeah, great oh god yeah yeah and and course. it's like yeah. wow that looks amazing but then you see the 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 technical flaws in it Mm-hmm. Because it looked so polished and perfect on yeah. on MTV, because mm-hmm. it was down those generations. It was so good to begin with that those yeah. ge- sometimes the analog generations actually they do help. They it's shaved the, off the edges. Of, it's of interesting what you're saying because sometimes uh, they're just yeah. We were watching a movie with Angie Dickinson in it the other day. What the hell is it called? Dress to Kill. It was a Brian De Palma movie. Okay, and. Um, and, uh, you know, Angie's 50 and she's 51 in this movie. And the, um, I was looking at the, you know, at the way she was being shot. And I was like, wow, these are all the old secrets. I remember these, but we don't shoot women who are in their fifties anymore. Yeah. Um, but there was a bunch of things that we did. And when I first started, there was still cameramen who were using that's a confusing term. A cameraman, the term for a director of photography, there, I don't know why, but for some reason, there's a lot of guys, like a lot of gaffers would call them the cameraman, not the camera operator. Sure. Okay. The camera operator is the guy behind the camera. Right. Cameraman is the one who, whatever. Decides what to shoot. Yeah. I guess it's not a PC term. But anyhow, the uh, director of photography had, you know, and the gaffers especially, but we would use arc lights because uh, you could a woman could be uh, sixty, and with an arc light, 
She does not look 60. Why? Because it just blows out those frequencies in the skin? I have no idea. I have no idea, but I always, but I couldn't believe it, you know, and everything. Like, I just, I don't know. And nets in front of her behind the lens? No, no, no. I mean, there's a. No, I just, the light itself. Just the light. I don't know why. Never knew why. And um, other things. So just, yeah, there was different things. But there were different secrets that, that were there. And. You know, I really have to deal with them now. Definitely not. But, yeah. In the next month or so. Sure. Every time you think of a weird little trick that you've learned over the years. Sure. Make a note of it. Yeah. And and we'll just like do a thing where we just like run down a bunch of crazy tricks. Because <laughs> you know what? Someday you're not going to be around. Mm-hmm. And there might be an audio file that's like, you know. Right. Yeah. Back in the 80s, we used <clears throat> to use these lights in these ways because it did X, Y, Z or something. It could be fun. It, it could be fun. It's for, it's funny because I've tried to, you know, I've tried to share that trick with other people, and um, they actually, I don't know if they don't care or if they're humoring me because they don't, you know, yeah. they don't, they don't need to use it anymore. Actually, they don't. Maybe it's nice to know it, but. There's yeah, but one you know, or someday two somebody's going to say, it. we need to do something in the style mm-hmm. of a movie from the 70s or whatever it is, and we're shooting another woman, and we want to, mm-hmm. how'd they get that look? And no one even remembers how they got that look. Well, you start with the lens, and you start with the light. Yeah. I think that might be an art to itself. There was actually one funny story. It's like, I don't remember who the producer was, because I was so new in it. Yeah. And he was a joker. He was kind of silly. And he was a, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, like there's all these like old Jewish guys who were sort of the classic stereotypical producer. Yeah. And he was like that and everyone knew him. Everyone loved him. And uh, so, but he's like, no, you're always working. You're a hard worker, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And uh, he was a nice guy. So talking to him just briefly and I didn't know what he did. I said, what do you, what do you do? He says, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm an electrician. He goes, yeah, I know, I know. You know he said, I, I, I thought so. And he goes, By, and besides, I pay you. So I sign your check, jokingly. And then I said, what do you do? Are you, uh, what do you do? Because I didn't know who anyone was at that time. Yeah. He goes, oh, I'm what you call a producer. And I said, oh. And then he was saying how, um, you know, the subject kind of changed. And he was uh, saying, you see, Noah, you don't know much about this industry and I'm kind of getting the feeling you don't know anything about it. And he said, here's the truth. Everyone shows up and we're all here telling a story. <laughs> you know? yeah. He says, you know, this, uh, you know, the, the director of photography, he's telling a story through the camera, the lights and all this stuff, and the movement, the actors are telling the story through the script. The director is telling the story. And he says, but the caterer is also telling the story, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. the caterer, but he was basically yeah. saying, we didn't have caterers then, but he was basically saying, everyone's telling a story. And he goes, so what, what, what are you doing now? And I said, I'm wrapping cable. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he said, yeah. see, you don't know it, but you're telling a story through your cable. Yeah. He said, yeah. you you don't even know what I'm talking about. You don't know anything about the industry, but you're gonna you're gonna know this, and you're gonna realize that I'm right. And it's a very romantic, yeah, it's pretty way weird. of looking at it. Yeah, and he was right because I do realize, like, if everyone on the job is doing the best that they can, yeah, yeah 
then that, they're all telling a story. Yeah. And I don't, um, and I, don't, I have no idea who he was. I don't know what job it was. Yeah. But I knew I shouldn't have been saying the stuff I was saying to him, and he didn't care. Well, you weren't being rude. You were. Just, I wasn't being rude. I was just being just ignorant. Being, yeah. Ignorant. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. There were there were old people like that. Mel Brooks had one comment. I'll never forget. He's um, again stereotypical producer, right? And uh, he was visiting his wife, who was in the movie, and uh, so, and he was telling to the to, to the director, was telling him, saying, "Listen, I know what you're going through," because the director was saying, "Oh God, I." I, I, so much I want to say to you, it's just I don't have time, which is a weird thing to say to Mel yeah. Brooks. Um, but he was serious because he had to work. And he said, I, I got to. He said, Listen, take your time, make the movie. And he said, If you need to go an extra hour today because we're talking here, then go an extra hour. He said, These people, they hate you. Because you're taking their money and you're supposedly wasting it. He said, but the only thing to remember is this. And he said, you know, they're older. Yeah. Okay. They're going to die. And he goes, you're going to die. Goes, All these actors in the movie, they're going to die. Yeah. Everyone here on this set, everyone here is going to die at some point. So the only thing that's going to be left is the movie. It's just a weird way of looking at yeah. it and interesting and also just a great way of saying this is what we're doing. You know, we're just putting something into, you know, into, into the, history. Whatever yeah, we're building, we're putting bricks on the wall of yeah. human. Yeah. Yeah. This is just something we're doing. And this is something, yeah, that that's all they'll remember if they have access to it. It was kind of cool. That's all. That's all we have. Exactly. We have this life and yeah. and life is short at its longest. So yep. it's, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, you've got to do these things. Yeah. It's really cool. And your perspective must be also where, time. you know, you know, Mel Brooks gets inspired by that kind of thing. Sure. So he's, and Mel Brooks himself somebody's is an incredibly old man now. He's, <laughs> he's the old still guy. Alive. I guess yeah, he's but, still alive. But he's he is the old the, guy. Yeah. In his, uh, in his, in his, act, in his story. Right? Yeah. The 300 year old man. Yeah. Oh my God. But I mean, but like he is, you know, but he's the yeah. old guy in your story, right? He's the old guy. Oh, who's, yeah. Yeah, definitely. who's probably saying you kids are taking too long making the movie. Yeah. But he's also saying that it's okay. Yeah. He was the one he was saying it's okay. Cause he's guilty of it too. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. And he's spending his own money on some of those movies. So sure. it's funny. It's good. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming over. I'm so glad. This is funny. It made me think of things I haven't thought of in a hey, long time. Hey, seriously, if you, if you yeah. think of anything else, like just write down a note for yourself. And mm -hmm. we'll, we'll do it again now that your brain is ramping up. <laughs> yeah, right. My brain ramps up.